Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we go over to Disney's California Adventure, where Disney's new Avengers Campus is open. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Shout out and thanks to Porter570 for your recent review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can subscribe and receive bonus content. Or you can also support the podcast by using me as your travel agent. Email josephchung at travelmation.net and it can help you plan your Disney vacation at no cost to you. Send any Disney questions you have to the podcast at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So Leslie went to Avengers Campus, which is super exciting, the brand new land at Disney's California Adventure. So we thought that we would talk about it a little bit. Now, full disclosure, Leslie was not there when the general public got there, and we are recording this on Sunday. So it's like the end of the first weekend of the general public being there. We don't quite know exactly what things are like for the general public. These things always take a couple of weeks to work themselves out. So we're just going to talk about what we know about the land in general. Before we get started, want to give a quick shout out and thank you to Sarah B and Dina H, who both pledged to our Patreon page where they subscribed and they get bonus content. If you want to support the podcast, you can check us out there as well at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. Now, while we're doing all this legalese, Leslie, why don't you go ahead and give us your disclosure of how exactly you got to see Avengers Campus before we start talking about it? Yes. So I went to one of the media events in the days leading up to the land opening to the public. I was in the land for about two hours on Wednesday morning. It opened on Friday, June the 4th. So it was not the usual media event. Obviously, in COVID times, had very limited time in the land. Usually, you kind of get to spend, you know, sometimes the whole day and really explore the nooks and crannies. And I didn't get to see or eat or do as much as I would have liked to have done. So it left me wanting more. And I will be going back myself in really a very short period of time. So so you'll get a trip report here in a couple of weeks on on the podcast. But but for now, I just want to sort of talk about the land as an overview and what we've seen the first couple of days of operations and all that good stuff. Yeah, so let's get into it now. Why don't you just tell us like overall what is the concept behind this Avengers campus? You know, like with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, it was like Batu and it's like an outpost. I mean, I don't know. I think we're kind of ignoring a lot of that backstory now. But what is the backstory behind Avengers campus? I think learning from the lesson of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, there really isn't like a time or a place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that this is set. This is sort of an artificial construct that Imagineering has come up with to give them an excuse to bring all of the Avengers from all of the movies, living or dead, et cetera, et cetera, to one place. And, And as the name would suggest, Avengers Campus, it is a campus. It's a training ground for new superhero recruits. So I guess that sort of explains why you're going to see a lot of different people you're going to see both captain americas in like the land so yeah this, this spoiler really... <laughs> alert there are two captain americas what no, yeah i mean yeah sorry sorry guys if you didn't know that but if you're, you're then there's like you don't six care. in the comics okay to be fair so <laughs> exactly and if you don't know that you aren't a real fan so you really aren't spoiled right so there you exactly. go Exactly. we won't tell you which two we won't tell you which two um <laughs> So the land itself, you know, what kind of buildings are there? Does it look like uh, there's that Avengers 
campus like in upstate new york or whatever with that like a logo on the side that tony stark builds or whatever like out in the fields in the countryside does it does the do any of the buildings look like anything from the movies or is it just something that was designed for this land well there's lots of a's everywhere i mean i i'm not enough of a super fan to know if there was something that was like fully taken from a movie i mean i know the campus is supposed to be set on land that tony stark inherited that had been abandoned by his father that he repurposed as a campus so if any super fan has the true backstory let me know but i don't think it's from any of the movies is my understanding now that said there are plenty of easter eggs all over the land that are from the movies that people are even even now still discovering and probably will take a take a long time to discover so there are quite a lot of tips of the hat to different backstories and and scenes and things like that and then the last thing i want to talk about before i get into like the nitty-gritty of the land is my understanding is that it's a very small footprint everything in disneyland is small in general and this is in disney california adventure but still there's not a lot of real estate so how big does the land feel i know that guardians of the galaxy mission breakout aka the old tower of terror is technically part of the land but in general like the land itself how big is does it feel maybe compare it to star wars galaxy's edge does it feel like bigger or smaller like what kind of footprint are we talking about here it's much much smaller i mean it's the former area of a bug's land which if you remember that for folks who've been there i mean was just a couple of little kitty rides in a very tight space and obviously bringing in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout gives them some more real estate. And they've actually captured a little bit more real estate into the land temporarily that's actually beyond the sort of gate that was built in front of Guardians of the Galaxy because they needed more seating right now for COVID times and COVID precautions. So they've actually expanded the land all the way down to the Hyperion Theater and created a border there to just give them room in sort of the old queue for the Hyperion Theater to seat people. But that's not technically part of the land. So I'm kind of kind of bracket that for now, but it's it's quite small. I heard somebody say that it was maybe only a third of the square footage of, of Galaxy's Edge. So this is a totally different size and scale, and really does create a different guest experience because you know you come into Galaxy's Edge and you see giant Millennium Falcon and just all this open space, and there's nothing like that in Avengers Campus. It's more like these little little neighborhoods and nooks and crannies where different superheroes will pop up. So very very different. Even though, of course, you know, two big newer franchises in the Disney universe. Yeah, and so we'll get to the characters, but let's start with what excites us the most. Now, if you forgive me for conflating my cinematic universes, when Avengers Campus becomes a fully operational battle station, it's supposed to have two attractions. Am I right on that? But it only has one right now? Uh, Sorry, three attractions, but it only has two right now, one new. That's right. That's right. So Guardians was was the old one that was incorporated and it has a new attraction, Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Now there has been a third attraction previewed. It was announced at D23 in 2019. We don't really know the status of that. The, The third attraction was supposed to be the rise of the resistance of a visioner's campus, the e-ticket attraction. It was going to be guests boarding a Quinjet and flying over Wakanda and engaging sort of an epic battle with the Avengers at their side. And it's been very silent since COVID as to what the status of that is. And we don't know, is it pushed back a year? Is it canceled entirely? Is it paused? We, we have no idea. 
Yeah, what little we know was it was supposed to be Wakanda related. Then, of course, um, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Rest in peace. And everything is kind of up in the air. We do not know. And then, of course, a pandemic happened. But it does feel like eventually, do you think there is going to be a third attraction? I was just talking to somebody about this today. I really hope that there is. I think there's a need, generally speaking, in Disney California Adventure, even right now while the parks are at 35% capacity or no more than 35% capacity, the lines are too long. They need more rides. So this seems like the natural one. The question, of course, is just what the budget is and what, <laughs> how much patience Disney has to, to let that be the extra attraction in the land. But I think it's really needed. I'm sure it'll be ready for Avengers 10 whenever that comes out. Talk to me about Web Slingers. Is the official name Web Slingers first and then colon something something Spider-Man? It's not Spider-Man colon Web Slingers? I'm surprised. I think that has something to do with the Marvel contract. I think they can't lead with Spider-Man because- Lawyers. I know. Lawyers are ruining everything all the time. But yes, it's Web Slingers colon a Spider-Man adventure. And Web Slingers is all capitalized because Web is, of course, the Worldwide Engineering Brigade. And then I forget what Slinger stands for, but it does stand for something and none of us will ever remember it. Annoying name as as usual, but that's the attraction. And the name does at least suggest what you do. You sling webs. You join Spider-Man. You, you board this vehicle that gives you superpowers that sort of translates your hand gestures into flinging webs and it's very similar to toy story midway mania where you're it's screen based you're shooting webs at things that you're you know trying to beat you're shooting webs actually at spider bots this is a peter parker experiment that got out of control so as usual peter parker you know created the problem and spider-man is there to to solve it it's really a lot of fun i mean if you like toy story mania risk rise is a ton of fun it's a little bit short i would say and i mean but it's i love the tech it's more fun than having to really, you know, use a device. You're actually using your hand. So it adds an element of coolness to it. And you actually get sore (laughs) because you end up throwing your own, like your your upper arms so hard and so repeatedly that you're tired. You get a workout at at the end of the ride. You know, what's funny is I was like, Man, can they really judge from our emotions where we're de- where we're aiming and things like that? However, for many years, I've just taken it on faith that Buzz Lightyear's laser pointer thing actually works. So I'm going to give Disney the benefit of the doubt here. Now, I've been seeing that although it's not like an e-ticket attraction, a lot of people are saying that they really think young kids will really enjoy this attraction. Is this kind of that what you're seeing as well? I think so. I mean, I'm obviously going to be testing this out with my own kids very shortly, but I had a ton of fun. I mean, my kids love Midway Mania, and in some ways this is a little bit easier because there's no device that they have to figure out how to work and aim and pull back on. I mean, they just can literally fling their arms. So this this might be more fun for young kids who can't quite figure out all the rest of it. I think it's a ton of fun. I mean, it's not. It's definitely not an e-ticket attraction. And of course, Twitter is skewering it. The people who've never been on it are skewering it. And that's completely unfair. I smiled. I had a grand time. I wanted to write it again. I got to write it twice because it was a media preview. And unfortunately... That is not something that will be available to regular guests right now because it's a one-and-done attraction. They're running a virtual queue for it like they're running for Rise of the Resistance. And once you ride it, 
in a single day, you can't write it again. So the folks who are going to be writing it multiple times will have to be coming back multiple days. So that's a little bit of a bummer because it is one of those attractions where you want to write it again. You want to beat your score. You want to play against your friends and family members. And that's going to have to wait, I guess, until we get back to normal theme park operations. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to keep running the virtual queue. My guess is they will for the first year or two while it's kind of like the hot new attraction. But it doesn't seem like the type of attraction that is going to have even the operational difficulties that Rise of the Resistance has had. And so, you know, hopefully that means they're going to be getting more people through the attraction than Rise normally does. Yeah, and I'm sure they want to drop the virtual queue sooner rather than later because one of the things for sale in the stores is these little web tech devices. They're power bands and repulsors, and I can't remember all the names of all of them, but these are little things that you attach to your wrist that give you additional superpowers on the ride. Like they change, one of them changes your regular spider web into a multi-firing spider web, and another one's a cannon that blows things up like Iron Man. And so they can't sell these if people can't ride the attraction more than once in a single day because <laughs> why would you buy this like this is for oh i love this ride i want to ride it again i'll buy this and see what else you know i can unlock in the attraction so my feeling is that the virtual queue is going to be short-lived if they can allow it to be as uh, anyone who plays video games know that is a pay to win but what are you gonna do <laughs> having a multi-shot that that definitely seems like to win but i'm not here to make commentary on that it actually ended up being cheaper than we thought it was going to be right yeah i was thinking it was like 40 to 60 dollars or something but all of the devices are under 30 so that's within the realm of like okay you can buy that for your seven year old (laughs) if they're really really into spider-man and i don't really know what they do at home apparently they do something or you know your kid will figure out how to do something with them with their imagination They do the same thing that all of your Disney merchandise does at home, which is take up space that you do not need taken up. Let's uh, be honest. Now, Web Slingers kind of came in exactly where we expected. It kind of met expectations for me. No one thought it was going to be an amazing attraction, but everyone thought it was going to be solid. I think it looks very solid and fun. However, something that I think exceeded my expectations from what I was kind of thinking about Avengers Campus is the character interactions and the character entertainment. Leslie, tell us a little bit about what you can see, what you can experience when you are at Avengers Campus. Yes, this is the part that really surprised and ultimately delighted me. And I don't think Disney hyped it up very much in advance. And probably that was because they didn't know what they'd be allowed to do under COVID precautions, you know, COVID regulations. There were just a lot of characters in the land. And when I was actually there on the media preview day, I didn't see the full gamut of them because some of them they had to actually save for the opening ceremonies, which were being recorded that night. So they didn't have all the actors they could have in the morning because they needed to have them in the evening. But even then, it was alive with characters. It was the anti-Galaxy's Edge in that regard, which was the big criticism, like, this beautiful land exists and nobody's in it. It feels dead. This was a fine land, and then it felt really alive. There's there's a show that Doctor Strange puts on in the Ancient Sanctum, a sort of a magic show, a mystical show that's really fun. There's an amazing performance by the Dora Milaje, the female warriors from Black Panther that is just riveting and powerful. That was probably my favorite of the performances. Then there's a a stunt show where Black Widow and Black Panther are battling a new villain. And then there's the Spider-Man animatronic that flings 
itself over the land that's actually a combination of an animatronic and a live stunt show. There's an actor and an animatronic that they sort of seamlessly work together to create a short little show. I mentioned this in on our Patreon episode that I recorded, but I missed the animatronic flinging over the land. I was just kicking myself. I was coming off of Web Slingers and thought I could make it in time and literally missed it by about 10 seconds. Saw the immediate aftermath of it and people I heard people gasp but I didn't get to see it (laughs) so I guess I'm saving something for my trip in a couple of days yeah it all sounds really cool now I know that they have been having capacity problems even over the weekend and I'm not even sure if the media preview even felt crowded and of course there are COVID capacity restrictions but even if there weren't it just really feels like that land is going to feel really crowded so I'm wondering Is there enough space for people to stand to like watch these shows? Like kind of how does that go? That was the big criticism of opening day. I had two friends who were in the land on opening day, uh, Julie Big Boy of Mommy Written and Dusty Sage of Mice Chat. And their biggest complaint was about how crowded it felt. And of course, right now they're controlling capacity to the land. They are making people... Once it hits a certain capacity, they're running a standby line by the front entrance. So even with that, the land felt tight. And a lot of people were complaining that watching these shows, there really wasn't social distancing respected. And but even even if that wasn't the case, and even if there wasn't social distancing required right now, the land just isn't big enough for the interest that is there. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what Disney's going to do longer term, whether they're going to try to reclaim some of that space that they're using right now for, for seating, <laughs> you know, beyond the, the boundaries of the, of the land and expand it down a little bit further down into sort of the unused dead space of the rest of California adventure. I don't know, but that that's going to be a long-term issue if, the interest in these characters continues to be high. And I think it will be given how much content's coming out from uh, the MCU. So they've been limiting people going into the land, correct? And I'm sure that they will limit people going to the land, even when capacity restrictions are gone. I saw that long line kind of outside the land. But even with that, like it's still too crowded? Yeah, even with that, it's still too crowded. My understanding is they did reduce the number of people in the land on the second day because it felt very crowded on opening day. And the problem just is, you know, you can get into the land if you have a, a virtual queue spot for web slingers. So that's an automatic in. Then the first day, everybody was mobile ordering their food, but they weren't in the land yet, which created this craziness of you know, people having orders, but not being able to pick them up because they couldn't get into the land. And then Disney said, okay, well, you can go in and get your food. And then it made the land too crowded. But then they also were like, well, if you leave, you can't come back in. So people would just stay in the land because they were scared of missing something. Or maybe they had their, you know, uh, mobile order pick up an hour or two later, and they just stayed in the land because they didn't want to risk not being let back in. So it created this weird, you know, lack of guest flow. And I think it's going to be a problem for a while to come because they aren't going to let it get just cheek to jowl even when the state removes restrictions on june 15th it's just not a good look not a good guest experience all right well we will know more what that looks like when you are there in a couple weeks anything else about the character entertainment or experiences that you think we need to know i assume there's no character meet and greets right now of course no, but there are a lot that kind of come out and get within, you know, a very short 
six feet of you and you can talk to you and you know they're up on on ledges they're they're closer i would say than a lot of the very distanced character sightings at disney parks right now so you do kind of get up close and personal with some of these superheroes but there are quite a lot of them i mean i have a, a whole list on the blog post on my website you know thor and loki and ant-man and the wasp who are first timers and just a, a ton more a new a new iron man costume or suit, or whatever you want to call it. So it really is quite quite the lineup for people who are big MCU fans. So there are characters wandering around besides the, I guess, stunt shows or whatever? Yes, yes. There are characters who will just kind of come out, like Thor will come out on some sort of a vehicle, sort of hanging off the back, and Loki will be up on a ledge talking to people, and plenty of times where they're just kind of you know, think about in Fantasyland where the characters kind of just roam out a little bit, but they're just kind of keeping them at a little bit more of a distance right now. So let's finish up with, I think, the thing that exceeded expectations the most, but then has also kind of caused a lot of logistical issues. But it seems like the food at Avengers Campus is very popular, which is not something I would have pegged. Yes, Woody's Lunchbox at Toy Story Land is very popular, but still, I'm, I was really surprised at all the positive reviews of the food at Avengers Campus that I'm seeing. To be clear, I'd say characters were number one on my list, but food was a close second. And the menus are just really fun. So the main restaurant is Pim Test Kitchen, which uses Pim particles to shrink and grow the foods. And the result is a great little gimmick they have going on. So you have a tiny little bun with a giant chicken sandwich on it. So it makes for the food to be part of the fun it really is sort of a conversation piece for kids and adults, and you get a good laugh at it. And the food's actually quite good. The chicken sandwich was was delicious, um, had some really great sauces on it. And I didn't get to try everything. I mean, I got to try maybe, you know, just a, about four or five dishes while I was there the whole time. It was well done. And then the thing that I loved about it, of course, as a parent, is that there were things on the kids' menus that my children would actually eat. I mean, the big criticism that a lot of parents had about Galaxy's Edge was that Disney tried to get too creative, too weird with the food to make it fit the land. And then there was nothing that children would eat on the menu. I mean, this strikes the right balance for parents who want to try something a little bit, pushing the the limits, and then kids who just need the plain chicken sandwich or the PB&J thing. That sounds cool. Now, is this the place that has the overly hyped much seen on tiktok hundred dollar sandwich yes <laughs> i don't know why you would get the hundred dollar sandwich <laughs> i mean i don't know there's not a lot of families who want like eight panini pieces like that's essentially what it is it's just it's like for five right it is to serve five i don't know yeah maybe right? it's for five the sandwich by itself is probably 15 or 20 bucks or something like that and then you have the big one but yeah i don't know <laughs> it's entirely for instagram right let's be honest Okay, so it sounds like the $100 sandwich really is something that is just seen on social media and not really part of the normal reality of anyone visiting Avengers Campus. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most families would want to, like, somebody would want the chicken sandwich, somebody would want the pretzel. Some, you know, I don't think a lot of real people will necessarily order that, but, you know, it gets the headlines, I guess. And, I mean, I'm sure some people will. Maybe if you go with a group of your adult friends, but for me, my kids aren't going to eat uh, a panini. <laughs> oh, well. It's like those people who ordered the 100 by 100 at In-N-Out or something like that. Exactly, exactly. But, the but gram, yeah, there's just a lot, the a, lot of, a lot of great foods. I haven't mentioned Pim Tasting Lab, which is the bar that's right next door. The beer fills from the bottom up of the cup, which is great to watch. 
And there's some cocktails there I haven't gotten a chance to try, but that's that's definitely for the Disney adult crowd that's going to scratch that itch, sort of the Ogos Cantina style offerings, but it's outside, which is really nice. That was lucky for COVID times. They can <laughs> open that right now. And then there are, uh, is a, a shawarma food cart, which of course is is out of um, one of the movies where Tony Stark suggests a, a, a shawarma cart around the corner. And that was delicious. Really enjoyed that. It's like a fairly inexpensive and filling snack or small meal. And then there's one more dessert cart, the Terran Treats which is Guardians of the Galaxy themed with like all sorts of colorful churros. So I'm definitely going to be hitting that up with with my kids. I didn't get to try that on this media event. All right. So that sounds good to have stuff to eat. Anything else we need to know? Well, as far as food goes, I, I do need to mention everything is in complete flux when it comes to ordering that food. I mean, that was the operational difficulty of opening day. People filled all the mobile ordering slots at 9 a.m. And then, of course, nobody was in the land, like I mentioned, and nobody was there to pick up food. So Disney is changing those operations, and those will probably be different by the time I go there in, you know, a week's time. But as of right now, you mobile order from PIM Test Kitchen, PIM Tasting Lab, and they're kind of metering out the mobile ordering spots throughout the day so that they don't all get snatched up at 8 o'clock in the morning morning. And they're also encouraging people not to mobile order until they're in the land. Although practically speaking, people are not necessarily honoring that. But then the shawarma carts and Terran treats are walk up only. So that does allow there to be people to make a split second decision when they're already in the land and actually be able to obtain food. Because I know the first day a lot of people in the land were, you know, if you missed your chance to mobile order, then you were in the land, you didn't want to leave because you couldn't get back in, but you also couldn't be fed. So that wasn't ideal either. Yikes. Well, hopefully it will all be ironed out by the time you were there. I think wasn't like the shawarma cart mobile order like on the first day only before they realized that was not the way to go. Exactly. That's what they did. And then they're like, you know what, we can handle a queue for this one. And I think that was a smart call. Good on them for uh, being able to adapt and i'm sure they will keep adapting and refining things as this land continues to grow and evolve just like we've seen with all the different disney world themed lands that have come up in the last decade or so so leslie uh before we get out of here let's end with our traditional disney do or don't what is your avengers campus disney do or don't all right i will say you do really need to practice on the virtual queue for web slingers. This, like Rise of the Resistance, is running out within a split second. If you hesitate on the app, you will miss your shot at getting a spot in the virtual queue. And in fact, I know quite a few people I consider Disney experts who did not get a spot in the virtual queue on opening day at 7 a.m. So this is something that you really need to prepare for. I have a ridiculously detailed and probably way too long blog post about how to get a spot in the virtual queue for web slingers. But the best advice I can give, you can get through the whole process on your app if you practice right at 7 a.m. or right at noon when the, the queues open and you can see where the buttons are located so you can tap faster and really beat everybody else. Because the problem with the, these virtual queues is that they favor the experts, they favor those of us who go often, who know how to operate the app and know, you know, where everything is to tap and what to expect. So make yourself one of the experts by practicing in advance of your trip. Good tip. Now, really quickly, it did seem like they were releasing more spots at noon. I know at least Greg from Park Journey, who's also on the Disney Hacks podcast, was able to get it at noon, even though it was 
not able to get it at seven. Does it seem like Disney's doing that on purpose or what's your kind of read on that? Yes, that's what they've been doing for Rise of the Resistance as well. There's a 7 a.m. drop and then there's a noon drop. So that is just like at Disney World where there's a 7 a.m. and then a 1 p.m., just slightly different times at Disneyland for Web Slingers. So it's exactly the same as Rise of the Resistance. And we don't really know yet how many spots are available at one at one point in time. And I don't know whether people get better at it at noon or whether... Maybe there's fewer people trying at noon. There are two chances, so make sure you know that as well. And know when you're eligible. It's very complicated. You can't be in the queue for Rise of the Resistance as well as in the queue for Web Slingers. So you have to like go through an elaborate decision tree <laughs> for you know if you have a park hopper ticket, what you're going for and how. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Looking forward to hearing more about it. If you've been to Avengers Campus yet, please let us know at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com at www.decipher on Twitter or on our Facebook page. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I'll see you staring up at the sky until you finally see that Spider-Man animatronic. Thanks, Joe. Bye.